Live from the Huntington Hilltop. Coming to you from the last homeless free zone in Orange County. In the morning, Nathan Penetration. In the morning, Brian Black. Completely untested. I'm attempting to record this on a new version of Mac OS. Oh, you updated. Yeah. I think I patched all my recording software. It looks like it's recording. It's writing a file. We'll see if it all works. Sometimes there's like weird audio drift issues. So far, I like it. Cool. They split Any up. performance changes that are noticeable? Uh, well, my computer's a beast, so it feels just as fast. But the music, podcasts, and videos have all been split out into separate apps now. So as far as I can tell, or as far as I know, well, my guess is that the music app is still just iTunes at its core. I haven't heard anybody confirm that. The podcast app's probably completely rewritten. It's probably the iOS one. So, um, what... There was something I was reading where people were having problems. Some on the Mac Rumors forums about like DJs and stuff. They were having problems running certain software. I think it had something to do with uh, 32-bit apps no longer being supported. Yeah. There's a lot of third-party uh, audio and video products that are notorious for not updating, even though they have like... 11 months or something. They have many, many months to run the betas and get their software working. So it's kind of inexcusable. Okay. So you obviously haven't run any problems like that then? I don't know. I haven't tried to run uh, Steam. That'll mm. be interesting. Everything on the Mac has been 64-bit forever. Like, since 2005. Not that everything switched in 2005, but I think 10.4 started 64-bit virtual memory. And then everything after that was 64-bit GUI apps. So the writing's been on the wall. Same thing happened with the transition from uh, System 9, OS 9, to OS 10. The writing was on the wall for a long time when they started to uh, build an emulator straight into Mac, Mac OS 10. It's pretty obvious OS 9 is going away. That was a big transition. And then eliminating all 32-bit applications is a far smaller transition. The transition from PowerPC to x86 was a lot bigger when they switched to Intel. Yeah. Sloppy software. What was the name of it? Was it plugins or something that were old? I don't remember. I, I You know what? That's probably what it is. Because I remember when I was working with Ableton, a lot of those, when I dabbled around with uh, production stuff, audio production stuff, um, a few years ago, there were a lot of like old plugins. And... That that wouldn't make sense if that was the issue, because I doubt anyone's running 32 versions of Ableton or whatever the other Mac supported uh, 
production software. Yeah, I would hope not. Those are some of the, a lot of the professional tools were some of the first, besides open source software, were some of the first to adopt 64-bit because they needed the extra memory. Four gigs is pretty cramped when you're sharing that with the operating system. But in 2010, no, 2005, those Mac apps that got 64-bit virtual memory like Photoshop were able to address more than four gigs of just the memory in your computer. If you put eight gigs in your computer, that virtual memory would be stored in RAM. The funny thing is that most modern operating systems, even if they could run on 32-bit CPUs, they... The four gig of RAM limitation would be a problem, but not the problem that it used to be because now with NVMe drives, the swap is like a non-issue. Oh, you totally feel it. It's not nearly as bad. I know what you mean. But NVMe, the latency, just going to the disk is definitely noticeable if you ever fill up all your RAM and end up swapping. Yeah, it's probably manageable though compared to like what it used to be even with yeah. like normal solid state drives nvme drives are hugely forward yep i've been thinking about maybe getting a mac mini with a larger nvme built in and then using something like duplicati to do encrypted backups to the the mac mini that then forwards that to some something like uh, s3 glacier or single zone availability uh, S3 disks or buckets so I can get remote backups but I would want the the Mac mini as like a middle box that uh, that I'm offloading all the encryption to okay but NVMe makes that super fast yeah and I can compress it so I could use like LZ4 compress the files, and then store, depending on if it's compressible or not, store half the data remotely. Oh, yeah. Someone just came to mind because you're talking about, um, well, file system stuff. Um, Ubuntu has got like some experimental build for ZFS now. Yeah, they've had support for that since 1604. But it's been experimental though, right? It's not like, uh, it's not fully supported yet. I'm doing a lot of hand waving right now. It's been in use since like officially, like people have been using it for real since 1604. Have you run any? I use it all the time. You've been running Ubuntu and ZFS. You can't boot from root. You can't boot the root operating system, the root disc like that. But I use it for, um, if I attach like an EBS volume or something, I could put ZFS on there. I I do that if I need to compress stuff in particular. Really, you shouldn't be using any file system except for ZFS, but you're not going to get really good support for ZFS. As far as I, the last time I checked, which was years ago, you don't get good support for it on the Mac. Um, oh, I know what it was. The one place I would want to, that I really wanted to use it was a large set of disks that I could use, um, for a time machine backup. Mm. But the time machine backup, for whatever reason, still requires HFS plus. 
not even their new APFS. If it supported yeah, APFS, you could do a snap, <clears throat> you could do a perfect snapshot in time and then just replicate those blocks rather than the, the file copying that it's doing. Because it's using some like crazy hard links and stuff. It's super functional, but well, how does it work then if you're running like something like uh, uh, what's it called? What was that NAS Free, free NAS? Is that the one yeah. that was uh, ZFS? So yep. you could run Time Machine. Yeah, but it's a network, so you can do Time Machine to a locally attached disk that will write the files, and it expects it it expects to be able to use hard links and stuff on the local file system. When you do it yeah, over the so network, it it's really cool. They create a disk image. It's a sparse disk image, so it doesn't take up any space until you use, until you write to it, and then it, it grows. It, it creates a network <clears throat> sparse bundle, and then mounts that, and it shows up even though it's being mounted over AP, AFS or uh, uh, the new like Samba V3 or V4, whatever they're on now. It mounts that as uh, a disk, like an external disk that has HFS plus on it. So it can still use hard links and it writes it all into there. But behind that on the actual network volume, that sparse bundle is just a folder that contains millions of eight meg files. Huh? And it can all be encrypted. The problem I have with those sparse bundles, somehow time machine does it correctly. The problem I have with it is I've used them for years. And after you use them for like, six months they always get fucked up well and if you're trying to recover a time machine backup and it's going through those millions of eight eight meg files is that going to take longer it's not fast <laughs> yeah i would assume it would take forever i've I mean, heard time of people is already slow as hell i've heard of people taking over a day to restore sometimes i believe it if you had a nice fast disk or network access Nothing beats a locally attached disk. Well, it'd or, be CPU dependent too. Also, like how fast <laughs> the hardware is that you're running the. Uh, Why do you think that? I think it's well, just it's, it's I/O dependent. If there's latency, if you have two milliseconds of latency over your network versus one, and it has to fetch a whole bunch of really tiny files constantly, it'll take you two times longer. Latency alone will do that. If you had directly attached NVMe, you're talking, I don't even know, nanoseconds? I guess it depends on how many things you're running on, the, on that box at once while you're, while you're doing that, while you're restoring from the time machine backup. I don't think it's working that hard. I think it's just an R-Sync. It's not like it's checksumming anything. It's really just I.O. contention. I mean, maybe... It's decrypting stuff, but what most of that's hardware accelerated nowadays, even if it wasn't, it's AES. So it's like, it's like it doesn't, it, the CPU doesn't even try. AES is really fast. Okay. Um, wanted to pick your brain about AWS and, well, I'm coming at it from the Azure point of view because that's no you're coming at it of. from a windows sysadmin yes azure newbie view, yeah. azure newbie point of view uh, and you're you're talking about 
Well, how about you just tell me what you're saying? So port forwarding, I can't, the, the only way I, I've scoured TechNet articles and stuff like that. And apparently the only way you can really do port forwarding in Azure to, to any extent is you have to run load balancing. And the, I, I can't go through. I can just stop the you there. Mind right now. Okay. It's a totally different way of thinking. Each machine, I'm pretty certain Azure does the same thing as AWS because everybody just copies each other. It's a good, it's a good methodology. In AWS, I'm going to use, I'm going to be talking about them interchangeably, but I'm totally AWS focused because that's just what I know. Um, each machine is in a virtual private network. Amazon calls them a VPC, virtual private cloud. And you can have different subnets inside of there. So you have your VPC and let's just say you're using the 10 dot zero zero, whatever subnet. Okay. Each machine is going to get its own 10 dot address in that VPC. Right. Each one of those 10 dot addresses for each instance, each instance has a public IP that's associated that maps perfectly through that 10 dot address. Unless you're running a load balancer. No, still, still. So even with the load balancer, you don't set up networks in the old, not the old school, the shared internet um, or shared, yeah, shared internet, shared IP framework that you, that, that type of logic that you use when you set up uh, a small business. You're not putting them behind a single router. You're putting them on a switch and every single instance has an IP, a public IP to the internet. Unless it doesn't, because you disabled it, but they will. They all will. And you set up security groups per NIC. Well, no, per instance. And you can make the security groups reference each other, so you don't have to reference specific IPs, which is more robust. But, okay, but when you have, when you're running the load balancer... You don't need a load balancer unless you're going to be serving websites. Okay. So there's no load well, balancer in this. You each computer is practically directly connected to the internet. Okay. Well, you just I have to found open the ports. Any way to? Yeah, I can open eighty eighty and thirty three eighty nine. But and when I do any, that, it's any system in that security group now has that port open to the internet. Right, but I don't want those ports open to the internet. I want to port. I want to forward those out. To a different to a different port, so that's the issue that I'm having. Even if they are specific to each IP address, run your service each, on a different port, and that's the well. That's kind of the issue I'm having with Azure. There's like no like intuitive way to do that that I've seen. Well, no, like you have I, to run it on Windows. You run it on a different port. Yeah, I. It's, you don't. I mean, I guess you could forward them. It hasn't even occurred to me to do that. Uh, or they have this service that they try and push. I forgot the name of it, but it's like a security feature that you got to pay extra for, specifically for running uh, remote desktop sessions and stuff like that to your VMs. Um, and there's a little notification that comes up constantly where they're trying to get you to run that. Um, that may be their solution to that problem, but I don't want to tack that on to the billing because I'm already used up 
I've used up over half my available credit already. Um, Set up an outline VPN with a static IP. Then all your instances, make sure that the ports that you don't actually want exposed to the internet, that you want exposed to yourself, whitelist just that static IP for your VPN. Or only open the ports to local routing and then put your VPN in the same VPC. Okay. And then you could even set up a uh, DNS entry for like uh, .lan or something inside of that VPC, inside that uh, VLAN. Uh-huh. I, I guess it's like, it's a VLAN basically. Inside mm-hmm. that VLAN you'd have your own local routing. So once you connect to your VPN, your outline VPN, for example, because they're super easy to set up, when you do a search for um, rdc.lan or .local, then, or not search, but when you type that into your remote desktop client, you would connect to the machine that you've associated that IP with, which would be a, a LAN IP, your VLAN IP. But I think it's just easier to whitelist your, uh, like the the public IP of your VPN. Your VPN's exposed to the internet. Right. So that's the one you're taking the risk with. I don't really want that in my VPC. I'd rather just trash it and rebuild it. You can script that. You can just remake it every single day, twice a day. That okay. Well, besides running your service on a different port, that pretty much solves it. I can't okay. access your ports now. You've whitelisted one IP on the entire internet. All right. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna mess with it more over the next few days, and then I'll uh, get back to you. But for the sake of the show, we'll move the topic on to something else. <clears throat> um, when the hell is Mac OS or uh, WatchOS 6 going to come out for the Series 1 and 2? Apple doesn't have any confirmed release date for it. And I thought it was going to coincide with the release of Catalina, and it didn't. I don't know. Maybe it's not ready. You've heard bad stuff about Batteries dying anyway, so yeah. I'd like it hasn't affected me though. Fifty percent. It's pretty standard for me. Yeah, I can't find anything about it on the forums either. Probably because there's not a whole lot of people out there still running first and second series uh, Apple watches. They're so cheap now. You can get a Series 3 for like 200 bucks. Oh, yeah. And then they stopped selling the 4. No, they still sell the 4. They have deals for them. You can get them at Best Buy and stuff like that. I don't know if you can buy them from Apple directly anymore. Okay. Yeah, that's what I meant. Um... Google Stadia, that little the game streaming con- service console that's gonna, yeah streaming service. So they apparently say I'll link the article here. 
channel. Nate, link to gamison.com. They're going to use some algorithm that's going to predict latency. And they call it negative latency. <laughs> Faster and more responsive than local gaming hardware? Yeah. That's what they say. It's interesting concept. I, I don't know about this thing. It's stupid bullshit. This thing seems like it's too good to be true. You know, the only way they could pull that off is with a controller. Because you can't make... You can't easily make uh, super unpredictable motions when you use a joystick. Because whatever direction you push the joystick, you have to push it back. It's not like a, a cursor where you can flick it. Because that's how you tell if there's latency on a mouse. You just jiggle it back and forth. And a joystick's a lot slower. Right. Well, they also say that these games are going to run at 144 hertz. Or 120 hertz. Whatever. Yeah. One of those two. Why would you play... Why would you use a controller? You're not going to be able to... You're not going to be able to pan the display fast enough with a with the analog stick to make use of that. It's like, yeah, no. I guess the animations and stuff that are happening in the foreground and background will be smooth, but I don't know. This thing, I'm really skeptical about this thing. Well, also, if you're playing this on a TV, your TV uses HDMI. It can't display this. It, it doesn't have enough bandwidth to do 120 hertz right at high resolution i think there's that new hdmi spec though that is coming out soon that'll do uh, 4k above 60 hertz is it uh a proprietary proprietary display port i don't think so i think it's just a higher bandwidth hdmi it's not out it, it's still in development but i think that's supposed to be the next version of hdmi yeah you're gonna have to hook um, up a some display port display right now but you can't even play it so right can you play this in a web browser or like launch yeah stream it to a browser i mean i don't know that was my impression of it I think the console is what all of these promises are being made on. It's not really, it's a, it's, I don't even know if you call it a console. It's just a streaming device. I don't know. It's interesting, I, but I'm skeptical, like I said. Oh, that reminds me. At the LAN party, I was playing that NVIDIA, uh, what do they call it? GeForce Now the mm -hmm. game streaming service and over that fiber connection we were on it was super smooth and very low latency yeah that's really cool my wireless isp though sucks it is too inconsistent to keep a really high kill death ratio i'm trying to see if i can pull up the pricing for this So, oh, it's still in beta. That's why it's free. I thought this was like, our, this was good to go. GeForce Now? Yeah. 
It's definitely costing them money. They're either running it themselves in their own data center or they're paying Amazon. Well, the elephant in the room with this too is you need to be on a internet connection that is, doesn't have a data cap. Otherwise, you're going to blow through that. Yeah. Real 11 quick. gigs an hour. <laughs> yeah. You basically have to be on Allen's internet service or Google Fiber for that to be worthwhile. Do you have a data cap? No, not with Google Fiber. Not that I know of. You want to find out? Let's see. No, I mean like by blowing through all your bandwidth. I could. Let us know how that works. It says right here, we're an internet service spreader who won't put caps on how much data you use. So go ahead, stream down and play your heart out. It says that on their promo page. Okay. So did you realize that Blizzard was partially owned by Tencent now? Found that out a couple days ago when you mentioned it. How did that never hit the news? Yeah, I don't know. Because people don't care. That's why. No. No. Is Condé Nast partially owned by a Chinese company? Chinese investors? I think I think they are, yeah. I thought I remember them getting Chinese money like in the last year or two. Let's the woman see. that was the head of it for a long time was a Chinese national. Really? Yeah, that witch that was... Uh, when Reddit became uh this politically correct bullshit platform she oh, was you like mean the, when the occupy wall street crap happened yeah that was a while reddit, ago now. reddit fomented that i don't know if it was them specifically i'm pretty sure all those videos of uh like police beating people and stuff it's all on reddit Uh, that was, was that was a long that. time ago though. That was like during Obama's first term. Yeah. There was a big crackdown on Reddit though. All that stuff's gone. Right, Tencent invest Blizzard. Let's see what does Google say. Tencent has a huge stake in Epic Games too. I think they did that to help promote uh Fortnite in the Chinese market. Yeah. Well they Tencent released the mobile games. So they licensed it or something. And then didn't they rip off that they stole that other game. Uh PUBG. I thought didn't they had they, a licensing agreement with them. But they released some version that has like monster trucks and stuff. Oh. I don't know about that. Yeah, well, it makes maybe? sense why Epic Games went to shit because I think Tencent has a huge stake in them, like bigger than the stake having Activision Blizzard. So more than two point five billion dollars—that's what it says here. 
Let's consult the book of knowledge. Five percent stake in Activision. Three hundred and thirty million dollars. Forty percent. How do you like that magic number? They own forty percent of Epic Games. Hmm. Yeah. That explains why Unreal's dead. Yeah. Wow. Donald Trump don't trust China. China this, is asshole. <laughs> this this article is from 2013. So it's probably more now. Wow. Well, 330 million is a drop in, drop in the bucket because this 2013 is before Fortnite even came out. I think Epic Games was like reeling back then. I think Epic Games is now a multi-billion dollar company. Tencent and Alibaba, they have cloud services now that uh, when you look at archive.org and you look back before like 2015, they basically didn't exist. And then out of the blue, around like 2015-ish, they end up with a perfect replica of AWS. Like every feature matched. And now every time AWS has some type of new announcement, all of their sites get updated with the same features. I don't know what year... Amazon started to enter China because they created a China region in the last couple of years. But I bet it coincides with Amazon taking their knowledge and technology to China somewhere because there's some other company that actually runs that version of AWS. Hmm. And it's in Hong Kong, which is where all those protests are going on. What's the competitor to Alibaba? Like the, is it Rakuten? Is that it? Well, a competitor in what market? Like just deals on products and shit. No like idea. Anything you want to buy. I think it's Rakuten. Yeah, it's Rakuten. I don't know anybody that uses either of those services. Because everybody you know speaks English? Well, I've seen Rakuten advertise, but I just don't know anybody uses it. They do like these cash back things. Seems like an MLM type thing. That's a Japanese electronic commerce and online retail company. Yeah, if you go to Rakuten.com, it's all like stores and services and stuff where you get cash back shopping through them. Huh. Never heard of it. Um what else we got? Uh one of the former Blizzard developers virtue signaled by canceling his WoW account because of the China stuff going on. Don't people cancel their WoW accounts like every six months? Yeah, well, now WoW is big again because of Classic. So that's kind of how they saved that sinking shit. But yeah, it's probably going to drop off again in the ensuing months. 
Um, yeah, it's. I mean, we kind of outlined it already because Tencent has a five percent stake in the company. That's probably why they're pandering to China. And the, I think Tencent is exclusively developing the new Diablo game that's coming out mobile only. So they probably want to make sure that's going to be a success as well. It's just yeah, sad. I'm not into that. All of the Blizzard launcher crap. You know, they, they created their own like Steam replica for their mm -hmm. Blizzard games. Battle.net. They just keep repurposing that name. Well... It's funny because uh, the game that I've been playing again, Destiny 2, they were public. Their publisher was Activision, and you actually would run that game through the Battle.net launcher. And then when they gave the middle finger to Activision earlier this year to play it, if you wanted to keep all of your progress in your your account, you had to export. You had to go on their site and export your game data out of the Battle.net launcher and into Steam. That's an ugly hack. Yeah. They didn't have an API for that? Well, no, they do it They they do it for you, but you got to like go oh, to their to, like, site. Hit, hit connect? Yeah, and then like sign in. It'll prompt the Battle.net login. That's normal. And then, yeah, and then... But I just found it funny that that's that they moved from Battle.net to Steam and why, why wouldn't they just I mean they could just run their own launcher because a lot of games do that now I'm glad they went to Steam because I prefer that um, but it's funny because their player numbers like skyrocketed it's like the number three game on Steam now and it's a two year old game I mean it probably has a lot to do with it being free now also like the base game being free. Yeah. But yeah, so I've been playing that. I've been enjoying it. It's pretty good. I bought actually I bought it at launch when it came out two years ago and I got bored of it pretty quickly, but feels kinda like a new game now. So it's worth checking out. It's a sh it's a shooter that has RPG elements, but not really. It's like uh, if you took like dungeon running, but like open world and dungeon running, but a person shooter, that's what it is. It's like Halo, like an open world Halo. There's raids and stuff like planet side. Huh? Remember planet side? No, that's different. That's like a massive open world battlefield. Like where there's like a hundred people on there. This is like. It's instance. So you drop into like it's set in our solar system. So like you have like Earth, Mars, Mercury. Like there's different moons, like Titan and uh, Io, uh, Nessus. And each one is distinctive. And there's different alien factions on there that are warring with each other and you kill them. And you get loot. You get new guns, armor, and stuff like that. It's like a loot mill game, but they have PvP too. Of, that uh, makes that so unappealing. 
to me. Well, they they have PvP, like it's like a like Halo, like where you're like close quarters combat, and then they have like uh this one mode I forgot what it's called, but it's kind of like a battlefield type mode. Um, that's why I said you probably wouldn't like it, but I suggested checking it out because it's free and what do you have to lose? Um, but the gunplay is like Halo. It's very similar. So if you liked the Halo gunplay, you would like the gunplay in this. It's from the same developer, Bungie. I don't remember any of the gunplay in Halo. Over shields and breaking through shields. Yeah, I'll see if I can stream it on GeForce now. If it's been out that long, then I'm pretty sure they have support for it. it well, it just came out on Steam October 1st. That's when they ported all of it over fully. Sometimes you can get the game to close when you're streaming it and then keep Steam open. And they're really expensive instances that you're on, so... Uh, it is kind of costing them a lot if you end up glitching it. But you could potentially <clears throat> install another game and then launch it through there. Huh. Like, I managed to install Chrome. And then you have to launch it through Steam. That's interesting. Yeah, I'm really confused about how they launch, how, <clears throat> how they're installing the games. Like, do they have the games installed a thousand times, one for each customer? Or is the data somehow shared? I don't know. So I saw Joker this last weekend and uh, I'm not going to give any spoilers. Very dark, twisted, depressing. Uh, kind of felt dirty walking out of the theater after watching it. But it's really good though. Like It's really well made, really well acted. But there's a scene in it where and it's not a spoiler because they show it in the trailers he's like dancing down the steps and stuff and a bunch of people got pissed off because the song that they chose to play is a song from a convicted pedophile who's in prison now i didn't realize that because i recognize the song dancing like him just in the in, in that music video of that song he's dancing just like him channel Nate and I think link to youtube.com clip of it it's uncanny yeah I love that guitar and it's shitty video because it's someone yeah it's like it's a cam a, cam yeah. shot he's walking down the stairs it's the one that's in the trailer and he's dancing briefly. just like him and I think it's funny I think they intentionally did that because yeah, because like, in the music video, he's on stairs. Yeah. It's a stage. It's a terraced stage, but he's on stairs. Yeah, it looks just and, like him. One of the jokes in the YouTube comments was, what's Gary Glitter's favorite chord? A minor. <laughs> <laughs> uh, man. The internet's great. Yeah. <laughs> 
that's probably the only time you'll ever see that song used in a movie again. I just found it very funny because it was fitting. It's like a pivotal scene. It's like when he has his transformation and uh, yeah, dancing to a pedophile song. Hey, did you see Ad Astra yet? The space movie? No. I should. Yeah. Maybe next week. Isn't it like two and a half hours? I don't know. I don't remember how long it was. 75% of it was pretty good. And then just stop thinking when you watch the last 25%. And everything will be better. Anytime you're like, but just stop thinking. I know there's chimps involved. I had some of it spoiled. Oh, yeah, that was scary. Um, Maybe we can talk about it next week. Okay. Maybe we can, we can end it here. Okay. Bringyourwallet.com slash contact for feedback and suggestions. Bringyourwallet.com slash donate to support the show and share the show. See you next week. Sayonara.